listening to Nexus Global APM on air, where we bring our listeners the connection between excellence and knowledge. I'm Larry Olson. I'll be your host for this session of APM on air. We have a great guest today, and we'll talk about maintenance and reliability post COVID 19. I know this is of interest to a lot of people, so I'd like to welcome our guest, Ryan Chen. CEO and founder of Upkeep, and he is also the host of Masterminds of Maintenance podcast. Ryan is a member of the Forbes Technology Council, and in 2018 was recognized by Forbes as one of the 30 under 30. So Ryan, this is a huge undertaking. So early in your career, how about give us a little background of your trails to this point? All right. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for having me on. I'm really excited to, to be here today. A little bit of background behind myself. I went to Cal Berkeley, was a chemical engineer. My first job out of college was actually working in a manufacturing plant. I was a process engineer. Every single day, I was thinking about how do we take our manufacturing line and speed up the process to go from 20 feet per minute to 21 feet per minute. You know, every single day, I was thinking about how can we make our process better, more efficient, and faster. But quickly, we realized as a company that we would net the same outcome if we tried to reduce downtime for our, our equipment because we noticed you know, critical breakdowns that were happening almost on a weekly basis. And if we were able to reduce downtime, then we could ultimately, again, have the same net outcome of increasing production. So we wound up purchasing software, wound up you know, trying to get a better grasp of why things were breaking down and ultimately gain better reliability of all of our equipment. And um, we wound up purchasing some software that was 100% desktop based. And at that time, it was like, man, this is crazy because the team never sat in front of a desk. All of the tools, all the technology that we used was, you know, in front of a desktop. So I said, man, this is crazy. Wound up leaving that job and basically said, I want to teach myself how to code. I want to teach myself and build a better product that I know that field technicians could use. And that was really the start of what Upkeep is today. You know, we build software for maintenance teams. We, we wanted to do two things in this industry. We wanted to make it mobile. We wanted to modernize it. And essentially what that means is we wanted to harness the power of a mobile device for technicians who never sit in front of a desktop. We wanted to make it extremely easy to use. Now, over the past four years, we've come a Quite a far way, Larry, and it's been a ton of fun. The team is about 100 people right now. We're on the path towards really revolutionizing this industry and technology in the industry. It's been a ton of fun. We're just getting started. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, you, took, you took a couple words right out of my mouth as you know, revolutionizing where you came from to what you're doing today is like, uh, how, how does that happen? Go from a chemical engineer to a coder to a great entrepreneur. <laughs> And moving forward. So it really leads us right into the next question I got for you. So, you know, when you you have this great sense of vision and passion to see the future of an entrepreneur, it also takes a team of dedicated believers in your vision. Key to almost anyone's success is being able to relate to people and being compassionate towards each one as an individual. What techniques do you use? You got 100 people now. What techniques and tools do you use to accredit your success? And and how do they all stay in alignment? It's a great question, especially as we've continued to grow. The most, most important thing is getting the the right alignment from the team and making sure that we have the right people that are ready for this this journey ahead of us. 
But when, when I think about like what's made, you know, the company so successful today, it always comes back to the people that we've brought on and the people that we've hired. And I, I truly feel so grateful and so lucky to have found some amazing people, you know, a group of 100 amazing people that have joined me for this ride. I feel like, you know, when, when you ask the question, like, how do I attribute, you know, the things that I've done to all the success? I would say, a bunch of luck, Larry. But I know that's not the answer you, you might be looking for. What I can also say, though, is that, you know, we've grown to 100 people over the past four years. And what it might seem like, you know, hey, it's been this rocket ship towards growth. There was a lot of grit, long hours and hard work that went into it. And I would say that was kind of the core pillar piece to a lot of upkeep success was just the hard, hard work that has gone in every single day, not just from myself, but from the entire team. You know, we didn't give up when times got tough, when we, we stayed the course and we stayed true to our core mission of the company, which is mobilizing and modernizing maintenance software. You know, there are a lot of competitors out in this space. There's a lot of people with more money, more resources, more industry expertise than us. But what we always said from day one is that we're not going to let that stop us. We're just going to continue to get better than we were yesterday. And if we have that mindset, then there's no stopping us from where we'll be in another year from now. I think it was just the insane execution from our team, the grit factor that we've got, and also, also this commitment towards the industry and getting better than we were yesterday. I think that's what's truly been so impactful to us getting to where we are today. That's great. It sounds like you got an awesome team there. And, you know, one of my, one of my great sayings, uh, and I probably stole it from somewhere, don't know where, but, you know, when, when you have people, it takes people to run a process. It takes people to operate a system and it takes people to grow. And when you don't have them and you don't have alignment, luck is not there. So it's more than luck, Ryan. It's a, it's a great passion and vision. So anyway, you know, keeping kind of on the subject a little bit uh, of computing and, and where we're going in the world, in the cloud computing world, you know, about five years ago or so, so there was so many fears out there from companies uh, about cloud computing. Those concerns were maybe security breaches or potential loss of data that couldn't be recoverable. And really, I believe, you know, it was more about unwilling to change. We know how people and companies fear change. Uh, in the last couple of years, though, that paradigm has shifted a little bit. And we've seen a gradual migration to the cloud. Uh, with this COVID-19 pandemic, what would you predict the move to the cloud-based solutions looks like over the next one to three years? And, and how can this help multi-site organizations improve their overall cost and reliability? This is a great question and something that's been very, very top of mind for, for me and all of our customers, as a matter of fact, because of COVID. And there's one thing that I think there's no one that would disagree with me, but one thing is basically every single company right now is thinking about the move, the faster move towards technology, the faster move towards having data in the cloud. I think one thing that we all realized when we had to, let's call it work from home, is that paper, bookshelves, cabinets, filing cabinets, those are not accessible when you have to work from home. And so the first thing that every single company ha has started to think about is digitizing their entire workflow. A big part of what's going on right now is every single production facility is starting to 
to have to do the same amount of work, but with fewer people because of the density restrictions that are, that are being forced on a lot of businesses. So a big part of that is how can we take our existing workflow, digitize it, and enable our team to be able to access materials, data from wherever they are. So, you know, like you mentioned, Larry, a big part of what's going on right now is this push to the cloud. I think we're seeing it basically put a high, high urgency because of COVID and what's going on. I I think that this is going to be a very good thing for the industry. I think what it's going to force us to do is start digitizing all of our, our records, start taking all of these filing cabinets and moving them to the cloud so that we can do more productive work, regardless of whether we're sitting right there on the production floor or whether you know, we're a couple hundred miles away at a different facility. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that's one piece that I'm, I'm excited by, you know, this move towards the cloud, the move towards digitization of all of our paperwork orders. I think the second thing that I'm also very excited by about the future of what's coming in, in this industry is the push towards remote condition monitoring. You know, like we were just talking about, all businesses right now are being forced to do the same amount of work, but with fewer people on the production floor. And so how do we mitigate this? Instead of having a person that walks by and manually inspects all the meters within the plant and production floor, I think a lot of these inspection walks are going to be replaced with remote condition monitoring sensors, IoT. I think that this is going to be a major catalyst for the entire industry really, really adopting IoT now because it's been talked about for a very, very long time. This is going to be a big catalyst for us. And I'm excited by that because what that means for you know, all of the, the schedulers, the planners, for all of the inspection uh, folks and maintenance workers is that they're going to be able to now run inspections by looking at data, by looking at sensors, and it doesn't matter whether they're sitting right there on the production floor or whether they're at, they're at a different facility. Yeah, I believe this is going to get everybody outside their, their box, their comfort zone not only from a perspective of change, but from the perspective of where the data comes from and where the data is stored and digitalizing things as we move forward. And we, we all know, at least some of us know, um, and, and you may as well from your experience in the, in the industry a little bit, that, that maintenance folks, they just, they love to create their little secret notebooks and they like keeping things stored away in their memory uh, you know, it kind of gives them that sense of employment security. Well, at least that's what I'm seeing in, from the boomer age and us folks here that, you know, we, we like to keep things uh, really close to our chest. I think as we work through the generation on down to the Gen Z and maybe further down when we create that next gen, there may be more acceptance to sharing. And I think that more acceptance comes from the technology that they're raised with versus, you know, the book and paper and pencil from the uh, boomer age. So what do you believe the lessons learned are from, from COVID as, we, as it's related to sharing and moving to digitalization? It's a great question. And this has been brought up so many times because, and I think the most common scenario is like one of the main catalysts for people looking for technology is, you know, someone on their team leaves with all of this historical knowledge and they're like, oh my gosh, we need a better way to like store this information if the next person leaves. And it's a very reactive thing. We, we, we talk about ourselves being in maintenance and being very proactive. This is like one of the best proactive things that you could do is keep an audit trail, keep a history uh, of who's done what and why. 
because that's going to preserve so much knowledge in a case where someone leaves and they've got like all of this historical knowledge in their head. You know, obviously COVID, this whole pandemic has put this into the limelight, right? Because we've had to make tough decisions with, you know, asking people to work from home. They're not in the facility. They're not able to basically walk up to that person and say, hey, this is the tool that you need. This is the replacement. This is why it broke. And this is what we need to do. And this is the regular schedule of PMs that we commonly operate. It's put a big focus on digitization. But I also have like a very, I have a positive mindset when it comes to this. I, I don't believe that, you know, people try to keep knowledge to themselves. I think that's one of the greatest things about the field that we're in is like, the opportunity to train, mentor, and teach other people and be hands-on right next to them. I think the challenge with this has always, like you mentioned, Larry, has come with technology. In order for you know, someone to do their work, mentor someone, and then also document it for the person that, that um, might not get hired for another five years, like that takes extra work. So I think the role of technology is really going to be in helping enable and make, make it easier for people to document all of the work that they've done so that the next time, you know, we need to look back into our history, into our notebook, we know exactly who did what, when, and why. Technology is going to play a critical, critical component into this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and as, as we continue to move forward, we're going to continue to see more and more of the digitalization, you know, the digital twins and I guess, you know, when we start talking about what's the next generation and, and how will they work, it kind of leads me into being concerned about what's happening with our wrench turners today. So, you know, I'm, I'm the white haired guy and in our generation, we were about getting our hands dirty and had blue collared parents that instilled hard work was the only way to work, which we wanted to follow mom and dad into the mill or the mine or even into the trade. That is not really the case these days. We, we have this new generation in the digital world, in the technology world. You know, they're, they're all about what that technology is going to do for them. So how can we entice the Gen Zs in the next generation to be wrench turners? Or, or will technology replace the wrenches? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is another great question, Larry. I've been asked this so, so much. I have a strong thesis around this, and it's, it's essentially like, you're, you're absolutely right. I think the younger generation right now is not really like pouncing at going into these wrench-turning jobs. And I think we're going to start facing a shortage of qualified workers that, that go into these roles. But I think the other thing that we're going to start seeing happen is that we're going to see increase in sophistication of these roles and jobs. And that's a very positive thing. When you ask the question, will technology replace wrenches? I don't think it will. I think what technology will replace are going to be the mundane, very routine, very regular checks that we have to do, like we were talking about the, the annual, weekly, even daily inspections that we do that can be replaced with sensors. But what that's going to do is it's going to elevate the role of a you know, technician, a wrench turner from just you know, running these mundane inspections to now someone who analyzes data, someone who takes all of this information data and enables us to get smarter about when to make replacements, when to make repairs, when to have you know, PMs on our equipment. 
I think that's what technology is going to do. It's going yeah, to ultimately, good, good point. it's going, it's going to raise the, the overall sophistication of our roles. And that's a very positive thing because to me, what that signifies is, you know, we're going to replace mundane tasks with, you know, more sophisticated tasks. And that's what I want people to be focused on. I'm excited though, Larry, about the day that technology and equipment kind of self-repairs and self-heals. I, I don't think we're there yet, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. I, I like your point about the taking the, uh, I'll just call it the recording of mundane things and moving that to technology. That's that's a really good point. And I think what that will do is then it actually builds the internal capacity in an organization to allow more time for the technicians, the experts who understand how the equipment should tick and, and, and be tweaked to do that. And, and that's really their sweet spot. That's, that's what they're good at. Exactly. This collecting this uh, stuff is not in their sweet spot. So let's get them working <laughs> in their sweet spot. Exactly. And I think this is what we need to promote to get the younger generation coming into this field. You know, this is mm -hmm. not just the mundane tasks. Like, you know, we all come into this field because we love solving problems. We love being that problem solver where you know, something happens and we go in and we turn wrenches to figure out how we can make it turn back on. That's, yeah. I think, what gets people excited about coming into this role. It's not to be the mundane record taker and the note taker. We want to use technology to replace the mundane jobs and, you know, use people to do some of the most sophisticated, you know, problem solving. I think that that is one of the coolest parts of, of this entire industry. Yeah, great, great. And I know some of the things uh, around technology in regards to condition monitoring stuff will lead kind of right into this next question I have for you and just would maybe like to get your opinion and, and build upon this question a little bit because it's, I think it's really important as we see what's happening in the world today and the changes that are happening are, it's actually causing an increase in costs in some areas. So in the post-COVID era, how we conduct business is going to change. We all know that. Companies will most likely incur some new costs associated with sanitation and workplace uh, design and uh, collaboration. It's just to name a few. As in the world of lean, though, we are believers that customers will only pay for increased cost in products if they see something that's adding value. In the technology world, how do you think companies like Upkeep and, and Nexus Global will be able to utilize technology to help lower cost or absorb some of the increased cost of the non-value added stuff? I mean, it's an interesting question because you're, you're absolutely right. You know, when I think about this question, I, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, facilities and they're going to have to put a bigger focus around, you know, like you mentioned, sanitation. So I think the, the major question here is like, how, where, where are these costs going to come from? Because, you know, obviously a company has to stay profitable. A company has to support its own two feet to, to be able to stand their ground. I think a big part of it ultimately is going to come from, you know, essentially it's like the supply and, supply and demand piece of this. So I'm going to answer the question in kind of a roundabout way. It's basically saying like every single company is going to go through this cultural shift. And every single company is going to have to pay an increased price. And I actually believe that, you know, we're going to see a, a fewer 
we're going to see less of a reliance on third parties and outsourcing to different countries, which again, I think all lead to like increased costs. But we're all going to be okay with that because this is a cost that every single company is going to have to incur. And, you know, obviously, if there's if everyone has to bite the same bullet at the same time, then we have to make the the decision as a consumer whether we should purchase or not. So it's kind of a roundabout question, roundabout answer to that question, Larry. But, you know, it's something that. You know, it's just a new, it's a new way of living now. And to me, this is like something that we all, you know, obviously accept now, now in this post COVID world. Right, right. Yeah. And, and when we start looking at these uh, extra costs that are going to be associated with post COVID, you know, we're going to look at organizations thinking about their margins. They're going to look at what, what are the employee costs. And on the flip side of it, we can say, okay, we as employees, we're going to look at it and say, well, what is that economic impact to my income, disposable income, because now I'm going to need more income in order to absorb some of these cost of products on, on shelves. You know, it's, it's food, it's, uh, it's consumables uh, in, in every manner. It's almost anything you're going to touch today is going to have some kind of a association with the, the, the post-COVID requirements. But I, I think we'll all get through it. Like you said, it's going to be yeah. the way of life and it's just going to be, it's going to be a new normal. We just need to, to accept it's going to be a new normal and we don't know what it is yet. Right. This is, this is absolutely the, the new normal. And the other thing that I'll throw in there too is that, you know, yes, we should accept what the changes are, are going on in the world right now. But what I'll also say is that the companies that are going to succeed the most are going to be the companies that are most willing to change and adapt to this new normal. You know, what we always see, you know, in tough times like this is that when there is a cultural shift, there are going to be some industries that are hit hard. There are going to be other industries that are actually growing as a result of this. We've seen this with COVID already. I think the best industries, the best companies that are going to survive are going to be the ones that pivot to the most successful parts of their business, the most successful parts of the industry that are changing in a positive manner. And I'm excited for businesses to do that. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the business that can accept and receive change the fastest and adapt to the change is going to be the most successful when it comes to, to their future and to the future of their employees. So Ryan, I really... Thanks a lot for joining us today. And, you know, I appreciate your insights and wisdom here on APM On Air. If any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about that? Of course. You know, you can. You guys can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. Just search for me, Ryan Chan, and the company is Upkeep. You can also shoot me an email at ryan at onupkeep.com. Those are the two best ways to get in touch and follow me on my journey. All right. Super, Ryan. And I know Upkeep and Nexus Global, we have some awesome solutions here that could help with some of these uh, cost-absorbing activities in an organization. So feel free to contact Ryan or myself. And Ryan, thanks again for joining us. If anybody wishes to obtain any more information about Nexus Global or our solutions, you can visit us on our website at www.nexusglobal.com or send an inquiry to info at nexusglobal.com. We encourage you to follow us as thought leaders on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Thank you for joining us and wish you all a productive and safe day.